This is Anthology Season 2, Volume 4. I'm joined by Ben, and we are on a beach in Surfer's Paradise, aren't we? Oh, heavens yes. One of the best places I've ever been to. I really regret not being here sooner. Oh, yes, and we've uh, decided to use the excuse that we're up here at the beach to make this the Gold Coast special. We're up in Queensland, so this is a special episode for all our uh, off-campus students who happen to live in Queensland, in this wonderful part of Australia. And um, Ben, how's your holiday going so far? Um, yeah, no, it's great. Thanks for asking. Um, Jake has been essentially dragging me onto all of the most uh, terrifying and exhilarating rides that the theme parks up here in the Gold Coast have to, have to offer. It was my own stupid fault for informing him that I'd never been on a proper thrill ride outside of the little offerings at the Maitland Show, the Royal Easter Show, etc., etc. So it's been fun. But at the same time, my stomach's been in my mouth for the majority of the last three days and my heart rate will probably be fairly abnormal for the remainder of the week. But apart from that, no, it's all been good. It's wonderful to be up here. Um, besides the fact that I've discovered that Jake may or may not be a sadistic monster. But thanks for asking. Uh, you'll be fine. Plenty of plenty of uh, casual drinkies and times at the beach. That's... I'll tell you this. And for any Gold Coast listeners, you'll understand what I'm referring to. You are not getting me on that goddamn slingshot. <laughs> I'm saying that right we now. We will by the end of it the week. It is not happening. We will by the end of the week. Well, it's great to be up here, and it's great to be back for Anthology as well. Yes. Um, and as usual, we're going to start off with a bit of theatre news, but I think we might throw us back to Armadale first up before we start talking about the wonderful things that are happening in the, the Sunshine State, I believe they call it. Yes. <laughs> I'm on holiday and you're not, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually, um, I will say it's nice to be on Anthology for longer than a 15-minute stretch. Well, we're going to have plenty of movie talk tonight because Indeed. That's, that's what we do. Yes. Well, I'll just uh, do a little bit of talking about Armadale first, just what's going on back home. First up, uh, just a reminder to get your tickets for Spring Awakening because they will sell fast. Little mm. Fish putting that on. That's on at the Pavilion at the Armadale Showground from February 13th to 22nd. Tickets are on sale and they will go very, very quickly. I'm so upset that I'm going to be in London for the entirety of that production. I think I'm going to be missing out. Well, you will be missing out. I, as I've said several times on the show, I was lucky enough to see Little Fish's production of Chicago last year, and yeah. they do a stellar job. Um, it's it's fantastic quality of production, uh, particularly. And this is not. I'm not saying this to disparage um, Armadale in the slightest, but particularly by Armadale standards, it's. Um, it, it's it's very, very, very good quality. Yeah. I've not been in the pavilion at the showground either. Is it a spacious venue? It's an interesting venue for theatre. It's mm. spacious, um, but it's... I, I will say both simultaneously that it's clearly not designed for theatre, but what Little Fish do with it is quite interesting so they make the best of what they've got they really do oh, and actually it's a it's a it's a pretty good turns out to be a pretty good venue once they're once they've got it all set up nifty um just a recent announcement of dates. There's only four dates for this one from the 11th to the 14th of March. We have She Kills Monsters being put on at the Capitol Theatre in Tamworth. Uh, tickets are on sale to that one as well. It should be an excellent show. I've heard a little bit about it. It's a heartwarming, heartwarming comedy packed with action, wit, and a sizable nerd quotient. Oh, goodness me. So check that one out. It's going to be uh, once again on at the Capitol Theatre in Tamworth in mid-March next year. Just because these things are a while away as well doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting your tickets now. That's oh, a mistake. Yeah. That, it's a mistake that Armadale people make all the time. Don't wait. First of, all, cause, first of all, because you'll miss out on the good seats. Yeah, totally. And also because 
these things quite often sell a lot faster than what you're expecting. Well, it's, like, it's the same as going to a concert, for instance. As soon as concert tickets go on sale, I generally, for the concert I want to go to, I'll buy the ticket straight away. I'm in a fantastic spot. I've got the, one of the best seats. I wait three months down the track, and I'm in you know, the nosebleed section. So th- that, the mentality of not buying tickets until a week or two out from the show, it's sort of alien to me. I really can't understand that mentality. I'll just ask Armadale. I don't know what's on their minds. Well, on, um, from the way you've hyped up um, She Kills Monsters, I um, yeah, the She Kills Monsters, yeah. It sounds like it might be worth a road trip down to Tamworth. It's only an hour away, after all. Well, you are, if you are keen on a road trip down to Tamworth, I'm good at segues, aren't I? You are very uh, good at segues. Sleeping Beauty. The Moscow Ballet are bringing Sleeping Beauty to Tamworth for one show only, 7.30pm on the 4th of April next year. Now, that is one that you will have to book early because it's one show only and it's going to be probably packed to the rafters, the Capitol Theatre. I would love to go. It will be a matter of... Um, whether I'm free on that one very specific yes, date. Are tickets on sale at the moment? Uh, like yes, tickets are on sale. Super. Um, so that will be one to get along to as well. Just a mention of a few things elsewhere before we start to turn our attention to the real focus of, of this week. Um, Port Macquarie's uh, got a few things going on at the moment. Of course, they've so got uh, Sydney City Ballet are bringing the Nutcracker in uh, at the end of this week, actually. Um to the the Glasshouse Theatre in Port Macquarie. Um, And they've got a few things going on early next year as well. Into the Woods Junior opens there on the 2nd of January, which is a fantastic time to be opening a show. Yeah, goodness, yeah. Imagine having your tech rehearsals in the week of Christmas and New Year's. Ugh, not not nice. I'm sure they probably did it a couple of weeks in advance. They would have been nice about that. Yeah, I would hope so, wouldn't you? Um, And then... They have Senior Moments 2, which I've, I've heard interesting things about their uh, Senior Moments productions. I'm not 100% sure what it's all about. Maybe you do, or maybe you could have a look at the Facebook event and find out for yourself. And I will say as well to anybody in Armadale that is considering going across to Port for any of those events, you can still get over there. There is roundabout ways to get there, even though the main direct route is unfortunately closed at the moment. Remember to keep up to date with live traffic New South Wales and Fires near me just to make sure that you can still get to where you need to go. Absolutely. Very important information. But uh, yeah, Senior Moments 2 opens at the end of February at the Glasshouse Theatre as well. All right. Um, so most of tonight, what we're going to be talking about is uh, we're going to be trying to open up the show a little bit more to our Queensland listeners. If we do have any Queensland listeners, I have a tendency. I'm sure we do. I have a tendency when I do the big city theatre to talk about Sydney and Melbourne mostly because... Yeah. I'm sorry, Brisbane, but that's where most of it is. No offense, Brisbane, but we but Sydney got Hamilton, you didn't, so haha. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on QPAC not getting it eventually. Oh but, no, goodness no. Um But we got it first. Um so then we've got let's let's have a look at what's going on at the moment. Um things that are on here at the Gold Coast, I might end up going to see some of these. Um we've got Airplay is on at the Home of the Arts from January 10th to eleventh. Carlotta's Christmas Special is on at the Home of the Arts on December 15th. And interestingly, they're having a Michael Jackson history show, which is on at the Star Casino on New Year's Eve. Now, that's going to be pretty interesting, if you ask me. An Um, interesting date to schedule it, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. I'm... I'm just going to have a look at the uh, the timing because surely say, you would have, it, that seems like a really risky ti- a date to put a production on because it's New Year's Eve for goodness sake. People I suppose that- when you're in a city like this and it's something we're not used to in Armadale is that people look for um, events 
to do when they're out on New Year's Eve and that sort of thing. I guess there's truth to that. Um, Generally, what I'd normally do on New Year's Eve is just go to a firework display and yay. So I've just checked. It starts at 8 p.m. Mm. um, at the Star Casino. I, I imagine it doesn't go for much longer than two hours even so that's i mean i get that i mean that's good for people that can you know that way you can still be out at midnight when the new year officially starts but most firework or most um displays of fireworks that i'm aware of generally have moved away from midnight to 9 p.m fireworks so again it the nanny state we live in Come oh that's on. true that is fair <laughs> that is fair i've not f- not having midnight fireworks what is this I, i'm sorry i generally i hate the idea of having fireworks at, at 9 p.m What's is, the point? It is I'm, three, and I've every because there's a just to get off topic for a little bit. Back when I normally go back home for the New Year's festival, there's a place in Maitland I always go to that have very good midnight fireworks. And this year, um, they announced that they were moving away from the midnight fireworks to 9 p.m. And I asked them why in a private message, and they said it's to cater to the um, families that come to our event. And I just thought, okay, if your children can't stay up for another three hours to watch the fireworks at the proper time. They're too young. Yeah, isn't that kind of They're too young to be staying up and celebrating New Year's Eve? Then aren't they? Exactly. So um, that's just and that's just my childless opinion. I'm sure families out there might disagree with me, but I mean, have the nine o'clock fireworks. I can see the appeal of having a nine o'clock oh, no, fireworks show. Both, but it, yeah, we used to have both, and I'm pretty sure it happened in Armadale last year as well that they only had the nine o'clock show. That actually, and that um, I had because they originally Patterson Wood that have nine p.m. and twelve, and then. In that message, they said that they were moving, they were combining both of them in, they were taking all the fireworks on the 12 o'clock display and putting them into nine, have one big spectacular show. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, great, do it at midnight. But again, Mm. that's just my personal single opinion. That is rather disappointing if you ask me, but... um, Anyway, Michael Jackson, 8 p.m. at New Year's Eve at the Star Star Casino. and just got we'll, majorly off topic there. We'll do a bit of a mention of Brisbane as well. I'm hoping that we'll be able to talk a little bit about more regional Queensland theatre throughout yeah, the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. But um, Brisbane have a Celtic Illusion on at QPAC uh, on the 17th of December. We have the Australian Bee Gees show uh, at QPAC on the 20th of December. Yes. And um, that should be good. A Christmas Carol is Ooh. on. It opened on the 29th of November. It closes this week at QPAC. So don't miss out on that. I was going to say, I'd be, I'd be hurrying along to that one. Yeah, it should be an excellent show. So that mm, closes definitely. on the 15th of December, which is this weekend. Yes, this Sunday, I believe. So Yes. Well, that's what's going on in the world of theatre. What we're going to be talking about tonight, here's a little bit of a preview for you before we sign off and probably go for another dip in the, in the lovely waves up here at Surfer's Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about what the acting world is like here on the Gold Coast, particularly uh, things about like jobs at the theme parks and various tourist attractions that you can be looking into. We're also going to be talking about the history of Australian cinema, which has a big home kind of in the Gold Coast. Um, and we're going to be trying to talk a little bit about theatre in Brisbane and, of course, in the wider Queensland state as well. So we'll be covering all bases. As usual, we will have our movie reviews. I'm reviewing Frozen 2. And uh, Ben is reviewing? Tarzan and Jane. Mm, so a couple of Disney sequels. Which one will come out on top in the battle oh. of the the greatest Disney sequel of all time? Oh, I'm telling you, if Frozen 2 doesn't come out on top, oh my lord, it must have been an absolute dumpster fire <laughs> film. And we're going to have a little bit more movie talk as well because that's what 
Ben and I really like to do. We mm-hmm. love to talk movies, so we'll uh, we'll get a little bit more in depth about our love of cinema and um, various topics there. So you are listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 4, here on 106.9 Tune FM. Make sure you stay tuned. Here's a song for you. On behalf of all the people who have assembled here, I would merely like to mention, if I may, that our unanimous attitude is one of lasting gratitude for what our friend has done for us today. And therefore I would simply like to say Thank you very much Thank you very much That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me I may sound double Dutch But my delight is such I feel as if a losing war's been won for me And if I had a flag I'd hang my flag out To add a sort of final victory touch But since I left my flag at home, I'll simply have to say Thank you very, very, very much Thank you very much, thank you very much That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me It sounds a bit bizarre, but things the way they are I feel as if another life's begun for me And if I had a cannon, I would fire it To add a sort of celebration touch But since I left me cannon at home, I'll simply have to say Thank you very, very, very much Thank you very much, thank you very much That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me It isn't every day Good fortune comes my way I never thought the future would begun for me And if I had a bugle I would blow it To add a sort of How's your father touch? But since I left my bugle at home I'll simply have to say Thank you very, very, very much Everybody! Thank you very much Thank you very much That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me The future looks alright In fact it looks so bright I feel as if they're polishing the sun for me And if I had a drum I'd have to bang it To add a sort of rumpty tumpty touch But since I left my drummer at home I'll simply have to say Thank you very 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 That was Thank You Very Much from the musical Scrooge here on 106.9 Tune FM. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 4, and I'm here with Ben at the wonderful Gold Coast. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, part of why we came to the Gold Coast, uh, the theme parks and also various tourist attractions as well, because... We might just be bragging and we might just be talking a little bit about the roller coasters we've been on okay, and stuff. I'm just saying I will happily brag tonight because it's wonderful to be in a capital city that actually has a flourishing nightlife. It, it does, well, it does, yes. Gladys Berejiklian, and take note. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but we're going to be talking a little bit about what uh, a city like the Gold Coast, with that kind of flourishing nightlife and flourishing 
uh, tourist industry mm. means for a young aspiring actor. Um, so if you're looking for somewhere to move, if you're finishing your degree at UNE, or if you're off campus and you're looking for somewhere you can get a job, here's why the Gold Coast is a good idea. First of all, we're going to talk a little bit about the theme parks. We've been to uh, to one already, and that was Movie World. Yes, and, wonderful. Um, Movie World, aside from some roller coasters that may have made Ben soil himself. Oh, sod off. <laughs> look, I, I, look, I was terrified at first, but it was tremendously wonderful. Excellent. But what we're going to focus on is something that Movie World is also renowned for. They have their, uh, of course, roving characters from DC superheroes like Superman and Batman to uh, Looney Tunes characters. They've got Tom and Jerry, uh, the gang from Scooby-Doo. Austin Powers made an appearance. It's pretty... <laughs> it's, uh, oh, that was heartwarming. It's, um, they've got those, those kinds of, of roving characters, and that's, that's also true of uh, most of the other theme parks as well, um, which means this is a great place to get experience in terms of live performance in front of a, an ever-changing audience it's an ever because it's an ever-changing audience it's also quite heavy on improv Mm. the uh, performances change all the time and um it's a very interesting place i imagine for an actor to work no yeah absolutely and uh we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about um what that means in terms of what that will give you if you're studying Uh, theatre, what it would give you to, let's say, your Bugs Bunny at Movie World. Um, Ben. Yes. When you saw Bugs Bunny, how happy did it make you? Well, okay, full disclosure, probably more than I expected it to. See, so we had a a couple of interactions with a few of the characters, Mm. the Joker, Scooby-Doo, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's an excellent skill to have to be able to improvise to different audience responses. Not because you should be doing that in shows, but because it keeps your response time fast. It enables you to, um, there's a number of situations that you'll get into where someone forgets their line or someone doesn't come on at the right time. Yeah. And you need that quick wit. It's, a, it's an important thing to have as an actor. You need to be quick on your feet. You really need to be quick on your feet. You need to be able to respond to changes and things that happen that are unexpected very, very quickly. Um, And it was interesting to see, for me, looking on as an actor, um, when these clearly scripted shows came up at Movie World, there there was a few little, like, skits and performances that were clearly quite rehearsed, quite prepared in advance. But it was interesting to see how they were responding to different audience sizes. Yeah. Um, I imagine sometimes the crowd's pretty unresponsive, particularly in the off-season in winter and that sort of thing where they're not... And um, I guess you've got to expect that, really. You've got to expect that with, with all theatre. Yeah. You're going um, to get really excited audiences and you're going to get some days where six people have booked their tickets and it's, it's dead quiet. And uh, it was really interesting to see a different style of performance where they were bouncing off an audience in a different kind of way. So that's the theme parks. I hope I can plug them to you as a potential. Oh, look, the fact that I've still got three to come is just mind-blowing. Movie World is absolutely fantastic. It's it's a really interesting kind of immersive experience in itself. I will say, full disclosure, I'm a massive roller coaster nerd. 
Yes. Um, and what I really appreciate in a roller coaster is that it can be that immersive experience as well. That some of them have storylines and and theming that really, in a in a in a similar way to theatre, when you enter movie world, it's trying to put you in a in a different world. It's trying to you're meant to imagine you're in a, a city where Superman's going to save the day, or in yeah, or in a in a world where the Looney Tunes <coughs> are are running around being Looney Tunes. Yeah, and look, and I think it combines that sort of showmanship with an immersive theme park experience quite well. Well, we talk a little bit about um, some of the other things that are going on here at the Gold Coast. When you go down the uh, the main strip, if you haven't been to Surfers Paradise before, there's a large mall kind of like what armadale's got but on a proper scale yeah um it's called cavill avenue and it's basically like the central the center of the surfers paradise kind of entertainment district and there's all sorts of things going on there they have like uh, fun houses and haunted houses and um mazes and all these sorts of things as well as your as your typical shop fronts and restaurants and bars and there's I will say the one thing that I've noticed is that I don't think I've ever gone down Cavill Avenue and not seen a performing a, a busker. Yeah. Whether that's it's understandable too. Whether it's um music or it's um whether they've got uh we've seen magic and comedians and that sort of thing performing there in the in the main space in Cavill Avenue. Um uh, it's an excellent it's an excellent space, and that's what you get when you've got a strong nightlife is uh, plenty of acting jobs. So yeah. Sydney, Sydney, yes, Sydney has the, uh, the professional opportunities and the theatres and the musicals going on and that sort of thing. But um, when it comes down to it, if you're just starting out, Gold Coast's a good place to look. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's we've certainly seen enough of even like I know that we've spoken about the theme parks in excess, but the um, whether it comes down to just you know being one of those characters in a theme park or just you know I guess sort of showing off your craft by busking on that avenue. I think if you're starting out and you really want to sort of either gain some experience or get a feel for what it's like working in the real world, to use that phrase, I think there's a lot of that you could do a lot, lot worse than going to the Gold Coast. Well, there's, there's other interesting uh, places. Now, I don't want to necessarily push people to condone this as an, an acting job, but they have uh, cabaret-style uh, uh, bars and restaurants here yep. as well, which if you are comfortable performing in that style, then it, it's a well-paying job. There's an abundance of those opportunities around here. There are. There are really lots of opportunities like that. And... Um, Right up the road as well, if you're not into performing in cinema, which we're going to be talking a little bit uh, later about the Gold Coast's uh, part in a, the history of Australian cinema. But uh, if, if that's not your style and you really are looking to get onto the stage, well, you're only 40 minutes down the road from QPAC, mm. um, which is, believe it or not, while Sydney and Melbourne may brag the, uh, the biggest kind of theatre um, scenes, I guess, QPAC, it, it generally tends to get overlooked a little bit. It, it kind of deserves more accolades than it actually gets. It's um, pretty much every major musical that I've been to that's gone through Sydney has ended up in Brisbane as well. Um, Kinky Boots ended up there at QPAC. Book of Mormon went to QPAC. School of Rock was at QPAC before it went to Sydney. I believe when... um Oh, excuse me. I believe when Wicked had its Australian run, it ended up in QPAC as well, but I will stand corrected on that one. Poss- I 
I think you're right, but I, mm. I'm not 100% Don't sure. Don't quote me on that, any <laughs> listeners. Either either way, um, QPAC tends to get a little bit overlooked. Brisbane tends to be the kind of the bridesmaid of the eastern capital cities when it comes to um, the theatre scene. But it's definitely not – that's not to imply yeah. that there isn't a lot of it. I think, and I think unfortunately so, too. Because mm. uh, admittedly, when people think of Australian capital cities, I would argue that Sydney and Melbourne have always been the two that people immediately that immediately spring to people's minds. And obviously, there's a vibrant um, theatre atmosphere in Melbourne. Um, I'm aware of that, even being not as involved with theatre as yourself. And Sydney, even though it gets a rap for you know numerous things, it has those opportunities as well. And I think, I think that Brisbane, it has, if you know where to look, it has just as many opportunities as either of those cities and potentially more especially given that you've got QPAC you've got the Gold Coast in such close proximity it's certainly there's nothing wrong as a young actor relocating up here for a period of time to see what you can find well there's there's plenty of interesting stuff I've got a little bit of a list here in front of me Mm. Um, if you're a a fan of Tennessee Williams a streetcar named Desire is going to be on in Brisbane coming at the end of January. Wow. And uh, Ben, I know you'll appreciate this one. Unfortunately, it has closed, so we're not going to be able to go and see it. Yes. But um, Dinner in Transylvania is the musical, and it's a a tribute show to Rocky Horror. And it was on in Brisbane last Friday. Oh, Oh, that's doing me a disappointment and a half, that is. Look, we we were there a day after. Look, uh, we got uh, here a day after. It's probably a good thing you didn't tell me that at the time because I probably would have flown. <laughs> like, oh, legit. Nowhere. I have not. Sydney's not having it. When I'm in London, they're not having it. I cannot seem to find a production of Rocky Horror or a tribute to Rocky Horror anywhere. Yeah, a little bit disappointing. But they've got plenty going on. They also. <laughs> it also closed last Friday. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody Live was also on at QPAC. Um, I think you're doing this just to torture me at this point. Yeah, I, I believe that was a showing of the film um, accompanied by um, actual musicians. Wow. Playing the, that would playing be. A, I must admit, that sort of experience, because I know that's a, that's a fairly regular thing in terms of people of those sort of productions, I would, I've always wanted to go to one because I know they can really sort of enhance the experience of watching the film. I believe at one point there was a Star Wars screening with a full-on orchestra accompanying it, and I just that sort of thing would be mind-blowingly incredible to be part of. Well, we've been talking a lot about QPAC, and I'll, quickly before we go to some more music, I'll also mention um, we, we don't always judge the, uh, the quality of a city's theatre scene on its big theatres, while the Lyric and the, the Capitol in Sydney are wonderful. Um, part of what makes Sydney's theatre scene so excellent is the, the smaller theatres and the, and the ongoing kind of production companies that put on some great things. So I'll give 100%. some shout-outs to, uh, to some, some in Brisbane. Metro Arts, who I'm told have a coffee bar in the foyer, and, um, and they put on great shows. That's in, in the CBD. Queensland Theatre in South Brisbane. The Tivoli is in Fortitude Valley. Um, the Little Creatures Treehouse in South Brisbane. I've heard uh, terrific things about the Tivoli. And uh, the Cremorne Theatre at QPAC as well, which while it's at QPAC, it's a smaller kind of venue designed more for plays than the big musicals that the main venue kind of gets. Yeah, of course. So there's plenty going on in the big cities. We're going to talk a little bit more about the rest of the state a bit later on in the show. But um, if you're looking for somewhere to move and you're thinking 
Sydney's got opportunities, you know, maybe I could end up on a, maybe I could end up in the next big musical or I could end up in, in Melbourne doing something or overseas. While all of that's wonderful and I do encourage you to follow your dreams, don't rule out Brisbane and the Gold Coast. And we'll Abs- talk a little bit more about why uh, a bit later on as well. You, you looked like you were going to say something there, Ben. Well, no, I just um, I didn't want to cut you off. No, I just um, I completely concur 100% because I don't see any reason, having been now to both capitals, or both states rather, I can't really see any valid reason why Brisbane should automatically be discounted against Sydney or Melbourne. There's no oh. reason to rule it out. Not Absolutely not. Well, we're going to go back to a little bit of music here on Anthology. We'll be right back with you, and we're going to be doing our movie reviews next. (laughs) I'm very excited to hear what Ben has to say. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 4 on 106.9 Tune FM, and this is Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. I I love the colourful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair
That was Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 4. I'm here on the beach with Ben. Oh, this is wonderful. It is excellent. And we're going to do our movie reviews. We did get time to uh, watch some movies in amongst all of the traveling and chaos. Yeah. And um, the theme this week is that we've both watched Disney sequels. I should, although <laughs> that is true. Although I picked this particular, I picked Disney sequel because I wanted us to have some sort of coherent link between our films. And you'd already locked in Frozen 2, so I was somewhat I'm gonna say, I'm going to say, while I love the idea of having a, a link between them, I'm pretty much just picking what's in the cinemas that I haven't seen yet. So. Yeah, no, and that's fair too. So um, I'll probably, on say, upon reflection and because of the film that I was subjected to this week, I'll probably move away from that sort of idea, but we'll see I mean, how we, we can be, We can be coherent when there's, an, when there's something obvious that we can do, um, like if there's a sequel to something, if you reviewed the first one or something like that. But yeah. it's... Um, it's just a little bit hard when I'm pretty much just grabbing a particular cinema session. I know that um, when Rise of Skywalker comes out, um, I assume you'll be go- you were doing that one. I intend to do it as well. So that'll be a special where we just both review the same film. That'll be good. All right. Well, why don't you jump in first? Because I've got plenty to say about mine. Yep. Nope. Fair enough. We'll get the uh, crap one out of the way first, as it were. So I picked Tarzan and Jane, which was a sequel to the hit 1999 film Tarzan by Disney, of course. Tarzan and Jane was released in 2002. It was directed by Victor Cook and Steve Loter, produced by Steven Loter, and it was starring Michael T. Weiss and Olivia Darbo. So both Tarzan and Jane, the original actors from the original film, didn't reprise their roles. I wonder why. <laughs> and it also features um, a few other semi-well-known um, actors, it essentially, to sum up the plot, it is as lazy as plots go. What it essentially is, is Tarzan and Jane are living together a year after the original film. Um, Tar- Jane is a little bit confused as to what to do for their one-year anniversary. She doesn't know what Tarzan will like. So she asks all of her friends for advice, and they give her an idea. And then, and this is where the um, the laziness comes in, it cuts to a flashback of what happened the last time she tried that idea. And the reason I say that's lazy is on paper it doesn't sound too lazy. What they did, they took um, three episodes from a TV show based around Tarzan and cut and pasted them into the film. So you've essentially got them uh, just re-show, just showing three episodes from a fil- from a TV show but sort of slammed it into sort of a... A, pl- a plot by having it stitched together with sort of, okay, this is what happened when we tried to do this. This is what happened when this happened. And it ends mm-hmm. with, you know, a very typical, oh, what a surprise, Tarzan had planned something for all along. It was, look, it wasn't my cup of tea. It was, I can't by any stretch of the imagination say it's a good film and I wouldn't recommend it. But by the same token, the three episodes of that TV show are actually quite good. And on their own, separately, they are worth watching because they are quite entertaining and surprisingly not all that bad. As a film, though, it was fairly uh, meh. I won't say it was disastrous because, like I said, watching the three episodes was actually kind of enjoyable. But I really I have a huge issue with that amount of laziness being shot into a film. It's ba- It was direct to DVD because, of course, it was. And it just smacked of... Here, here's something that took us little to no time to make. Give us all your money. Mm. Um, the plot, I can't even... I, the plot gets a 0 out of 10 for... <coughs> excuse me. A 0 out of 10 purely because 
there isn't one essentially it's mm. there's a very very loose plot but it is only used as, as an excuse to show those three episodes um acting five out of ten it's very noticeable that the original actors weren't there um soundtrack five out of ten nothing bad about it nothing good about it um cinematography ugh, three out of ten and um personal enjoyment factor for me is probably a four out of ten so in regards to um just the scores alone it actually becomes my worst film reviewed so far so congratulations k through 12 you are off the bottom of the barrel it it was uh, it, the only uh, the only positive thing i'll say about it is that it was mercifully short it was only 70 minutes long so it wasn't like a two and a half hour slog not a good mm. film not one of disney's best and after watching it again i can completely understand why they don't have the best rap in producing sequels to their original work thumbs down disney that was a poor effort back in 2002 well what's very interesting i've just been here looking because i'm about to make a statement that's a bit i wanted to make sure that i was willing to back myself on this statement you so wanted to I make sure it was a hill you wanted to die on yes because it, it is a it is an outlandish statement so i just went through and and the uh, the list i actually went through the list of walt disney animation studios yep. films okay um and they actually don't list any of their straight to dvd sequels i'm shocked because i i imagine just purely because they'd, they'd like to forget they exist they're terrible that without exception as well yeah, there is cause... there is barely an exception i'm not sure if the lion king 2 I'm sorry, I just, I will say, because the sequel to Atlantis, Atlantis Milo's Return, did the exact same thing. Took three episodes from a TV show about the original film and put them into a movie, writing a plot around them. So they've done the same thing twice. Look, that, that era of, um, of Disney straight-to-DVD sequels was not Disney's proudest. No! Um, Heavens above. I Shame think, on you, Disney. I think, I'm not sure if The Lion King 2 came out in cinemas or if it was a straight-to-DVD, but that might be the closest you get to an exception because it was actually bearable yeah. um, and had a semi-decent, distinct kind of plot from the original. Mm. But here comes the... Outlandish. I'm excited, actually. Here, Here comes the outlandish statement, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it straight off the bat. Okay. That Frozen Two is Disney's greatest ever animated sequel. Wow. Okay. It is. I I've gone through. I've looked. Um, I should specify. You should specify. Sorry, just to clarify, Walt Disney Animated Studios. Walt Disney Animated. That doesn't include Pixar. Because yeah. I was about to say, if you're telling me that Frozen Two is better than The Incredibles Two. Well, That's a bold statement. See, see the what the one that I would use as the biggest ref, refute of that is Toy Story two, but um, yeah, and again that's Pixar. But so. again, that's Pixar. So I, that, just putting that out there, that doesn't include Pixar. This okay. is Disney alone's greatest ever animated sequel. So before Frozen two, what would you say was Disney's greatest ever sequel? Uh, I'd have to say it depends on whether you uh, count Fantasia two thousand as a sequel to the original Fantasia. Oh uh, yeah, fair. Um, but other than that, I mean, you can't, there's, there's not a lot of them besides the straight to DVDs. So I guess in that sense, it's not that outlandish of a statement because it doesn't have a lot of very good quality competition for the title, but. Okay, here's, so to put it into perspective for not only myself, but I guess our audience, in because in, Disney sequels and sequels in general always have a slight, I guess people have a predisposition to assume that sequels are not up to the quality of the originals because they're either just used to piggyback off the original or you know not as much effort's put in, that sort of thing. So the question I have to ask is, if you were to scrap the two 
from the title, would you say that Frozen 2 is of the same quality of some of Disney's best animated films? Well, here's what I did when I was considering the way I was going to review this okay. was I compared it to the its predecessor. Gotcha. Because while, it, while I'm of the firm belief that a sequel should always stand well alone yep. on its as as a film um i wanted to to put it up against something to get a a bearing of its quality i guess because frozen was very very popular very oh, well yeah. received yeah um, so. and the first thing that i would say about it is it's it brings a new kind of depth and maturity and uh, profundity to what was previously quite a child targeted level kind of disney film spectacular the first frozen film while i'm not discrediting it in any way was shallow because it was targeted at kids oh god yeah and this sequel brings a a a maturity to it that really creates a different kind of feel wow it's it's quite excellent that's Um, high praise i compared it also in terms of a few other things first up the animation now i want to say probably since about moana um, I have noticed a real jump in the quality of Disney's animation. Yeah. I, I have to, I have to agree with you in that score. It, um, and I did watch the original Frozen a couple of days before I decided I was going to see Frozen Two, mainly yep, yep, just yep. to just as a refresher and kind of to compare it. And there is a noticeable difference in a animation. Very wise. noticeable difference in animation. Wow. Um, good. I mean, terrific. Excellent. It's excellent animation. I mean, um, considering how far technology has come, it's not surprising. And I think it's, it's really encouraging. It's not surprising, but I, I always look back at Moana as probably the one that changed it, particularly with the way they animated water in that film. Yeah, you said something about was, that to me. Yeah, the way they animated water in that film was quite remarkable and revolutionary. And ever since then, I've just noticed a, a real change in the quality of their animation. Not saying it was bad before, but it was, it's... It's, it's like on, on a whole new level. It's now. on a whole new level now. It's and in a Frozen, whole new world. Frozen Two is no exception to that. Oh, you took that. I thought you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of that one. So I guess yeah. So uh, when you compare it, I guess I'll, the best question I can ask is off the bat: Would you say it as not necessarily better? Would you say it is as good as in the same league as Frozen? I'm gonna say it is better. But at the same time, disappointing. A okay. Little. So um, th- the next thing that I wanted to mention was the music because I was very conflicted on this. Okay. Because I found it very hard to be objective about is the music in Frozen two better than the music in Frozen? Um, because, and this is not this has nothing to do with the quality of the music in Frozen. I found a lot of it was overplayed to the point that I now find it rather neurotic. I find it difficult to listen to songs like let it go or do you want to build a snowman because of how overplayed they were oh i completely agree and i but looking at it on at an objective level um the equivalent of let it go in frozen 2 is into the unknown i find that a better song okay um i find the songs uh, it's difficult to put into words, but it seems like they've tried to actually give the songs meaning in terms of character development uh-huh. and in terms of yep. um, advancing the plot. Um, 
So I'd say um, Olaf's solo song in Frozen 2 is better than his solo song in Frozen. Um, there's a number of songs, including one in particular that happens in the beginning of the third act of the film that's soloed by Anna, which is very, very good. Adina Menzel, as always, is freaking amazing. Oh, I was worried then. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else there. It's freaking amazing. Um, and there's also a solo song by Christoph, which I was really taken really? by as well. Yes, did he didn't have a uh, he didn't have a solo song in the original? I did think he? he had a, uh, a kind of solo song because he also does the voice of Sven. Oh, so yeah, it fair. was a duet, right. but it was Christoph and Sven. Yeah, um, but his solo song in Frozen Two is quite good as well. That's good. Um, so music-wise, at first I walked out of the cinema and said it wasn't as good, but the more I thought about it, it was different. And that was good. It changed. And that was part of what made Frozen 2 a different film, but also, yes. in my in my view, a slightly better film. So is that what you meant when you said disappointing, the music thing? Well, di- disappointing because, because it was different. I think the my major disappointment, I should get to my criticism before I keep ranting about how good it was. Yeah. My major criticism is that because they developed the characters and they gave the characters complexity where they didn't have complexity before... Um, there was a sense throughout the film that it was going to be a different kind of plot to what Disney normally has. There was a sense that the relationships were getting more complex and human. Yep. There was a sense that um, characters that were, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but particularly um, the relationship between Anna and Kristoff, the relationship between Anna and Elsa, um, Olaf's character even to an extent, felt like they were getting more complicated. And so it felt like it was going somewhere a little bit different. Yeah, okay. And in that sense, the third act of the film was a bit of a letdown. Oh, okay. So it sort of went back to the sort of formulaic, tried-and-true Disney plot method. It f- the, the ending felt Disney. Ah. Uh, it felt yeah. a little bit like I haven't it's even, I haven't, too... I haven't seen the film, and I can already... I can relate to what you're saying. I can imagine that would be rather disappointing. simplistic and yep. naively Disney, and it... That was my one letdown was I felt like it was building to something a bit more human and real. And I was maybe maybe I hyped that up in my head, seeing that complexity throughout the film that I was just a little bit let down when it went back to the the nice Disney ending. But it yeah, it 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 worked. It still as a film worked quite well. I guess that's sort of and maybe that's because in the last few years, Disney's animated films have been getting a bit more. They've been veering away from sort of the very, very basic you know, well-known Disney plot. You know, mm. when you had sort of... I guess the one that stands out for me is Tangled. Yeah. Which I would... And again, this may be controversial. I would actually put that above Frozen in terms of Disney movies. I'd, I'd probably agree with you. And I think that's the first Disney film I saw, animated Disney film, where I saw and thought, okay, this is something different. I really like this. Frozen did the same thing. It was different. It, was, it had a different message. It had a different story. So I will go and see Frozen 2. I absolutely will. Probably when we get back to Armadale because <laughs> maybe not so much a good idea to try and pack that into um, the rest of the week's activities. But I'm am, I, I'm a little disappointed to hear that, that the ending does sort of just go back to a very... It's almost like yeah. it didn't quite have the courage to go full. Yeah, it, it, it committed to, to plot lines that seemed like they were going in a different direction and then particularly the character arcs I'd say the yeah. character arcs seemed like they were going a certain direction and the the ending felt a bit naively and it felt like a bit of a cop out really no yeah I completely understand but, um, 
the last thing that I'll say, because we've been talking for a while, is another very positive thing about Frozen 2 is that it goes even closer to the original Hans Christian Andersen wonderful um, fairy tale and mythology than the original wonderful. one did. It brings a lot more of that mythology and fairy tale yeah. into the, into the Frozen universe, and I really appreciated that. No, uh, that's that's good to hear. That's terrific. It was not a sequel that was written purely to piggyback on Frozen. They actually went back to the fairy tale and said, "What's another story we can take out of that?" Yeah, um, which is which is excellent. And it is. It's terrific to hear that we've allows Disney has made a sequel that maybe not quite up to the level of some of their best is very 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 close to it oh yeah it might be it might be a sequel that could actually rival some of their standalone films but overall if you do like disney animation movies and the way they're going at the moment and if you did like frozen um you will enjoy this film you will enjoy it it's it's very it's very very good on on a whole um i had some criticisms but that's it's it's a sequel, so there's always going to be issues in terms of character arcs and plot. Yeah. But that's that's the way it is. So overall, I was very happy with it. Um, so you said that you ranked yours as the, the worst of the four movies you've reviewed so far. Yeah, I'd say so. I've placed mine in... I've placed Frozen 2 in second. Okay. Um, so Judy remains my favourite. I had uh, a feeling it would. Ahead of Frozen 2, then Ford v Ferrari, and Charlie's Angels is way behind in last. Yeah, no, my rankings at present would be Imaginarium, obviously. Um, oh, excuse me, I just had a bit of a mental blank there, yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Tarzan and Jane is very much last. Then we have um, K through 12, thankfully. And in second place, um, I think second place is a good um, place to put it. 300. Yes, 300. Um, and I just st- forget what movie you've reviewed. <laughs> yeah, I did. We're really done for. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I had a complete, I was trying to stall while I, dre- while I desperately tried to remember what it was. No, apologies to 300. And um, yeah, that's unprofessional. <laughs> no, I did for a moment, it did slip my mind. But yeah, from fir- from best to worst, it would be Imaginarium 300, uh, K through 12, and then Tarzan and Jane. Don't know quite yet what I'm going to do next week. Um, I guess I've got to wait. And I've just been obviously too excited about being up here. But I will have something. And I will, as always, look forward to sharing my thoughts on the matter. Um, depending, uh, have you? do you know what you're doing yet? I have yet? no idea yet. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to have a look at next week's session Justified times when I'm so. back in Armadale, So Speaking of that, I will say, given that Frozen 2 is, you know, it, it is another entry into the Frozen film series, which was tremendously popular. It makes me so, so grateful that Disneyland is not in the Gold Coast because I have a feeling we'd be swamped. Oh, yes, we'd be absolutely swamped. So thank heavens that we don't have a Disney World in Australia, or Disneyland or whatever it's called. Last comment, if an exec from Disney happens to listen to this, please, please, please don't make a Frozen 3. You don't think it Leave it there. Leave okay. it there. It's finished beautifully. That That story is finished very well. So I would say with where the characters are at, so even though it has such a simplistic ending, you think it wraps everything, like it, it is a good ending for those characters? I think it wraps for the characters nicely, yes. Okay. I think it, I think if you, see my worry would not be necessarily that a sequel would ruin a happy ending or something yep. like that. It would be more that if a, if a third Frozen movie was not up to the caliber of the first two, yeah, yeah. then I feel like when I show my kids this these movies, I'd only want to want the first two. 
and it, like for all the rap that sequels get, I mean, like three calls, a third movie in a series, that well, that is tough. Like, there's a direct correlation. The more movies you make, like Marvel is the exception, not well, the rule. And, and the I would more say, like, movies you make, the worse they tend to get. Unless you've got like a book series to work off of, like Harry Potter <laughs> or Star Wars, mm. for instance, they're they're at least separate. But no, I would struggle to. There would be way, way, way more terrible three calls than there would be good ones. Oh, yes, absolutely. Although I will say, now that you've said that, your wish is going to be granted. They're not going to do a third one. Now that you've told them to do they're going to do a bloody prequel and then just uh. crap all over everything even more. <laughs> if you do it, just at least make it based off the Hans Christian Andersen again, please. Yeah, gotcha. Please don't ruin this. You've, you've done so well, okay? You're listening to Anthology on 106.9 Tune FM. Uh, we're going to go into a song. Now, I know I technically have played this song before, but I technically haven't. So I this know what is... This means. This is Into the Unknown by Panic at the Disco. Yep, called it. Into the unknown Into the unknown Into the unknown trouble while others don't there's a thousand reasons i should go about my day and ignore your whispers which i wish would go away you're not a voice you're just a ringing in my ear and if i heard you which i don't i'm spoken for i fear
are back in Anthology Season 2, Volume 4. You just heard Into the Unknown, the Panic at the Disco cover from Frozen 2 here on 106.9 Tune FM. And we're going to be talking a little bit now, since we're at the Gold Coast, about Village Roadshow Studios, mm. which are up here. We just went to Movie World, which is right next door. Yeah. Um, they utilize some of the old sound stages there for some of their uh, buildings and facades and stuff. But basically... Uh, it's one of only three film studios in Australia. The other two are Fox Studios in Sydney and the Dockland Studios in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, no love for the West Coast. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be much love for the West Coast. No, I think in, anywhere, <laughs> just in general. For anything. No. Poor, poor Perth. Even the central of Australia is like, yeah, we'll take them or leave them. Adelaide, um, Darwin, just, yeah. Uh, we East Coast snobs. I was going to say, we are really, we are dicks to the rest of our country, aren't we? We really are. <laughs> we, we don't treat them very well. Um, so Village Road Show Studios, to give you a bit of context, is probably, I would argue, probably up there, at, if not the biggest of the three studios. Oh, you have to think so. It would be, it would be up there. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's been, it's been up here at the Gold Coast since 1986. Um, and it was because Village Roadshow, which has that um, really, if, if you've ever watched one of those, I just immediately think of one of the old VHSs of an Australian TV show. No, I was thinking the exact same thing. With the, with the V logo. That the thing is, as like for the last like 30 seconds, and even more so now that you brought that up, I can hear that. I can hear it. I can hear the noise playing in my head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the good old VHSs. That's, it's now stuck in my head as well. Um, You're welcome. So... So they... That's what we get for being dicks to the rest of our country. <laughs> that's a, that's a We pin. get the Village Roadshow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This logo just stuck on loop in our head. So basically, they, they own the, the studios right next to Movie World. It uh-huh. is technically a separate venture, but all under the same umbrella company, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Typically. And they have quite a substantial studio there. They have nine sound stages three water tanks for shooting underwater scenes so two of them are outdoor and one of them is indoor and the indoor one of them actually is the largest purpose-built film water tank in australia Uh, they have 10 production areas five construction workshops they have on-site support facilities two wardrobe and laundry facilities accounting services lockups screening and editing a preview theaterette uh, visual effects studio film processing post-production travel and freight services and apparently loads more than that as well um, the it's such an ex- extensive venue, such an extensive venue, in fact, that um, they used some of the sound stages to host the boxing and the table tennis at the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Good Lord. Just because the, ve- the, the sound stages are just such extensive venues. That's an interesting little tidbit. Well, there you go. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, you might be thinking, well, Australia is not Hollywood. You know, why do, why do we have such an extensive... Uh, sort of sort of film production studio. Well, let me tell you some of the titles of some recent films you might have heard of that were actually shot here on the Gold Coast. Uh, you might have heard of a little movie coming up next year called uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. I know. Look, I didn't start with one of the good ones. Name but one crossover movie that was good. <sighs> I'm not arguing with you, okay? Well, <laughs> um, would you like a, a more a higher quality one then? Okay, Alien vs. Predator wasn't too bad, but yes. Um, a higher high quality. quality one? Thor Ragnarok. Okay, yep, that's certainly a step up in terms <laughs> of quality. Thor Ragnarok was shot here, as was Aquaman, which yes, not quite on Thor Ragnarok's level in my opinion, but 
Hey, um, anything Jason Momoa's in is good. That's the rule. <laughs> Jason Momoa. Yeah. Uh, he was here for a while. Um, actually, I was at Movie World on a, on a different point. I went to Movie World uh, not long after they finished shooting Aquaman, and they actually had an exhibition at Movie World, including all of the props and costumes. Oh, that's cool. Um, because they kind of have that, that, that lovely advantage of having a bit of a symbiotic relationship there. Um, the uh, live-action Beauty and the Beast was partially shot on the Gold Coast. So Emma Watson was periodically on the Gold Coast, Ben, and you eh, missed out. I'd rather have Jason Momoa. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Emma. No disrespect. Um, now, I'm not going to qual- comment on the quality of all of these, but they are blockbuster films nonetheless. Uh, we've we've also hosted the creation of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yes. Uh, San Andreas. So mm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson was also here for a little while. Ooh. <laughs> No, I still prefer Jason Momoa. <laughs> Marginally Jason Momoa. Yeah. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, That's that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a film. It was a film. <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it, it did exist. It did. Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Not going to comment on that one. From 1995. Uh, there you go. Uh, Power Rangers knew what was up. They, went, they came here early. Yes. Um, the 2003 live-action Peter Pan. Okay, this might be a bit shamefaced depending on what the general consensus is. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that film. Oh, absolutely. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Both of the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Cool. Which I would... I'm just going to venture this out there. I did already know about this in advance because, of course, Movie World has a Scooby-Doo-themed roller coaster. Uh Uh-huh. James Gunn was partially involved in the creation of those films. Wow. James Gunn, as in the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy, James yeah. Gunn, um, was was quite heavily involved in that. And the Suicide Squad. Yes, and the, the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. Oh, that's not being filmed on the Gold Coast, is it? No, it's not being Damn. filmed on the Gold Coast. <laughs> um, the 1996 Phantom movie. Ooh, okay. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it but, exists. But an adaptation. It that's a good thing. It's an adaptation. Um, and, of course, the 2019 movie that I constantly question why it exists, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Yeah, if I was Village Roadshow Studios, I'd just cross that one out of the history books. Nope, that never happened. We didn't make that. That wasn't here. I am just so bewildered by the concept for that movie. They wanted to make a Dora the Explorer live-action movie, and they wanted to target it at teenagers? Look, no. I suppose the theory was that kids who watched Dora the Explorer as kids were now... Teenagers, but it's not exactly source material. That well, exactly. Works. That's about that makes about as much sense as having some sort of horror mystery novel being well, portrayed by Blue's Clues. It's the same concept that kind of that the Harry Potter series kind of innovated. Um, they innovated yeah. that because they knew that the the kids who grew up and watched the Philosopher's Stone would be what that's about ten years, uh, yeah. 10, 10, no, 15 I'm, years before the the last Deathly Hallows movie came out. So they'd grown quite substantially. So obviously the films grew more mature. That's the thing, but the the difference is The Philosopher's Stone was still a very good film and a good standalone film without being necessarily targeted kids. Mm. The Dora the Explorer, or Dora the Explorer, is a educational concept turned into a TV show. It's it's very directly targeted at toddlers, yes. It's quite a... It's and this is not to disparage it, it's deliberately shallow. Oh, disparage it all you want. That movie was crap. 
I mean, no, I mean the original Dora oh, the Explorer. Oh, right, sorry. Right, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a statement on its quality. It's just the fact that it's targeted at, like, yeah. five-year-olds. It's shallow. There is no source material It's the same there. as, you know, Blue's Clues. No, yeah. I hate on Blue's Clues. I enjoyed that show as oh, a Blue's Clues is excellent. I still enjoy Blue's Clues. I must admit, so do I. It's, well, it's okay. excellent. Fun fact, and this might potentially damage my future reputation because I'm saying this on radio. When I was a kid... Um, and I, I do remember this vaguely, but mum apparently had um, many, many a time laughing at me because I would, we had a lot of mirrors in our house, a lot of, and just a lot of, you know, large things for a kid to entertain himself with. She would find me randomly trying to do the skidoo thing into those. <laughs> and the thing is, not even, not pretend, I was legitimately trying to do it and apparently getting angry when it wasn't working. So I had a very sort of intimate relationship with You're that the reason. <laughs> you are the reason that people think that video games cause violence. <laughs> yes, you're probably not wrong in all fairness. Because so, you, you saw Blue's Clues and you thought you could just skidoo yeah. into the mirror. I could just, or even just like books or te- like picture frames or anything. Bloody hell. And look, uh, but it, it, it goes the same thing. As good as that show was, I wouldn't think a movie about it would make any logistical sense whatsoever. At least not a movie that's not targeted at the same audience oh, and yeah. they can, can therefore have the same level of yeah. intelligence of the material. Like you... You, you can create a Dora the Explorer movie that's targeted at five-year-olds. It's just 90 minutes of, or 60 or 90 minutes of Dora the, the Explorer thing, content. Yeah. It It's when you try and retarget it, that there's not a lot to work with there. Did the original, did the voice of, was the, the same voice of Dora as in the TV show? I never actually looked that no, up. No, no. It was some young actress that I don't know from anything else. Yep. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed the experience, Dora <laughs> actress. That's on your IMDb forever. That's that's staying there. Yeah. Um, Sorry, other, back to the Gold Coast. Back, back to the Gold Village Coast. Roadshow. Back to Village Roadshow. Some other things that they've shot here uh, in terms of TV series as well include uh, shows like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Ooh. Animalia, Flipper, uh, Lost World, Mission Impossible, and H2O Just Add Water, which just gives me so many flashbacks. Oh, yeah, I should imagine so. Ugh. Uh, not uh, in a bad way, just, whoa. I've, I've I feel just... like H2O just add water is more or less what the entirety of New South Wales is screaming out right now. Just in please. a plea. Please just give us water. Please give us back that show about the mermaids. That is a good point. It is nice to be for the next, you know, and for the rest of the week being in a place where it doesn't smell like smoke and nothing's on fire. That's a plus. Yeah. I, well, actually, I, I will say that it's it's on fire directly to the west of us at the moment, but... You know. No, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. We're not going there. Who Queensland cares? is just as bad as New South Wales, arguably, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, speaking of Village Roadshow Studios, though, my point kind of was um, that Gold Coast has a film academy down here. Yeah. Uh, they've they've totally. got a lot of things going on in terms of cinema. And, of course, the Gold Coast has played such a big part in uh, Australian cinema in general. Um, so if cinema is your thing... This is a destination whether you come here in terms of just tourists like us or if you're looking for potential career opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, you could end up in the next Scooby-Doo movie. I, <laughs> you could. That's true. You Maybe could. James Gunn will write it again. Uh, Scooby-Doo 3? Scooby-Doo 3. Scooby-Doo oh. 3 Monsters Unleashed again. <laughs> um, 
the Scooby-Doo 3 where we all wonder why Scooby and everyone is still scared of monsters when every single time they've just revealed the fact that they're just people in masks. Look, we could just make it as transparent as possible. Scooby-Doo 3, the the writers needed alimony payments or something. <laughs> Scooby-Doo 3, the search for more money. Scooby-Doo 3, the janitor did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more or less. Well, you're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. We've had a good time talking about movies because that's what Ben and I love to do. That is our life. That is our, the sad nature of our existence. Yep. We're going to go to a song. We'll be right back with you. Where we'll be talking about uh, theatre in Brisbane and in Queensland uh, in general right after this song. Go down. 
Listening to 106.9 Tune FM. This is Anthology Season 2, Volume 4. You just heard This Hell I've Been Calling Home by Carolina Story. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit about what theatre is going on for you guys if you're in Queensland at the moment. Um, it's a little bit of a neglected state, as we've mentioned, in terms of theatre. I do apologize that I probably don't talk about what's going on up here more often on the show, but now's a good opportunity. And we've talked a little bit about the Gold Coast and Brisbane, but let's get out of the urban sprawl. And I've got a few shows that we can talk about as mm. well in this wonderful state, home to the, the Great Barrier Reef. It's for long, another 10 years or yeah, so. Yeah, for, for, for about another 10 years or so, yeah. Um, well, first of all, we're going to go right up north to Townsville, where Full Throttle Theatre Company are putting on The Secret Garden uh, from the 18th to the 21st of December. Uh, they're, they're on Stoke Street in Townsville. If you don't know where that is, tickets are on sale, of course. Now, uh, that caught my eye because The Secret Garden has a new movie coming out. Uh, if you haven't read the book before, it's a wonderful children's kind of novel. And uh, it's there's a movie coming out. I saw the trailer for the movie the other day in the cinema. And um, it was... I'm not too fast about yep. it. No, I, that's a good way of putting it. I, I think it's it doesn't look that great. Um, but the the show is on at Full Throttle Theatre Company in Townsville from the 18th of December. So get your tickets if you're up in that part of the world. Yeah, totally, 100%. Secret Garden. I'm trying to remember, was it? Um, who wrote it? I, it's just slipped my... Francis Hodgson Burnett. There you ah. go. Google is a wonderful thing. Um, it's it's a beautiful children's novel. Uh, it was published in 1911. Um, wow. After it was originally serialized in a magazine, apparently. Um, and it's her most popular novel, undisputably. Uh, and there's been several stage and film adaptations, of course, this being one of them. So if you're up in Townsville direction, don't miss out on that one. Totally not. 
Um, a bit of exciting news if you're in Rockhampton. Um, Mamma Mia. Yes. Seems to be every regional theatre company is doing that for their, their musical. Understandably so, because the same thing kind of happened with Kinky Boots last time around when the, the rights came out. Yeah. Every, every director and his dog wanted to do it. Um, and Mamma Mia's rights have just become available. We've already seen it in Glen Innes near home. Armadale's doing it. Tamworth's doing it. Um, so it's it's going on everywhere. And Here Rockhampton. Yeah. He <laughs> Ben. That's two in one show. Ben, you're fired. <laughs> I thought by not having regular guests on the show this time, I would be free of the puns. <laughs> you can't Never. be Amy and Rosie, okay? Um, so Mamma Mia is opening on the 13th of March for you guys in Rockhampton at the Pillbeam Theatre on the corner of Victoria Parade and Cambridge Street in Rockhampton. It'll run until the 21st of March. Pretty exciting stuff to see that yeah. being put on. I'd love, I'd love to be able to see it um, put on at least a couple of times in a few different towns, see, see exactly. I haven't seen the stage musical, so I'm interested to see how different or how um, unique it is compared to the film, particularly since I'm, full disclosure, not a massive fan of the film. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's... I it's I feel controversial every time I say that because ABBA's music is brilliant. Look, good music doth not a good film make. That's that's my point exactly. It's I've always and and I I would not disparage the performances of Meryl Streep or or Look, Amanda Seyfried or anything. But if anyone actually has a go at you about that opinion, I'll lock them in a room and watch them and watch them wa- and make them watch Pierce Brosnan sing SOS on repeat. Oh yeah, okay. That's that is one thing that that is a genuine. I criticism. love Pierce Brosnan, but Jesus Christ, it was not pretty. It um, wasn't in the slightest. Speaking of SOS, a little bit off topic, but I was reminded the other day about uh, Muriel's wedding. Yes. Now that is how you put ABBA music in a musical. Yes, it's. And, <sighs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not. I don't hate Mamma Mia, but it's not one of my favorite films. I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it, but it's not something I'd be a huge fan of. I could probably enjoy the first one every now and then. The yeah. sequel, I'm glad I've only watched it once, and I, I probably will not it. watch it I again. I, when I found out that spoiler alert, Donna died off screen, I was like, okay, well that's me gone. You've lost me. And the thing is, it had like Mamma Mia, the original had such a great ensemble of you know, well-known actors and actresses. You had Julie Walters, you had um, Meryl Streep, you had oh, the other, the one that played the other friend of, the like, the older friend. And I love the actress, but the name slips my mind. The one that... For some reason, it slipped my mind, too. Yeah, I, she, yeah she's tremendous. And But no, it's just, I don't think it was that great of a film can play when you think of how many, of the cra- the praise that's been heaped upon it. Yeah, it's... I'd, I'd like to see how the stage musical goes in comparison. Yeah, so would I, as a matter of fact. How it holds together. But yes, if you, if you want to see ABBA music done well in a musical, well, you've missed the professional tour, but hopefully the rights will be available soon for Muriel's Wedding. Absolutely. not only does it do ABBA music brilliantly, it's Australian. Gotta love and Australian it, stuff. Yes, it was... Uh, the music was written by Kate Miller-Heidke. So mm. um, there you go. Check Check out Muriel's Wedding if you get an opportunity... Um, the the album is available on Spotify and iTunes and everything as well, and I highly suggest you do listen to that. It's beautiful. Um, the last thing I'm going to mention, uh, a little bit closer to us at the moment, if you're at the Sunshine Coast, um, about two hours' drive north of us at the moment, um, they're putting on Elf the Musical Junior in multiple locations, actually. 
Yes, Elf was made into a musical. I can see the look on your face, Ben. And wait, Elf is in Will Ferrell's Elf. Yes. Okay, right, fine. Well, when you think about it, okay, the, the plot lends itself to a musical format. I particularly, guess. Particularly given that... Um, any like film the, can sort of work its way into a musical format if you really try. If you really try, but it, given that it is like a, a relatively shallow, lighthearted, humorous plot... It le- and it's jovial and Christmassy. It yeah. lends itself as well to having music interspersed throughout it. So it, I suppose, it, it's been a relatively successful musical. And as it turns out, the Sunshine Coast is embracing the Christmas spirit and putting it on not only in Noosa, in but in uh, Caloundra as well. So Caloundra, or Caloundra, I'm, I've never been sure how to pronounce that properly. Sorry, people, if you live in Caloundra. Cal- I was going to say whichever <laughs> way you're pronouncing it, it's probably wrong. It, it is probably wrong. I'm sorry if you live there. I don't know how to pronounce your suburb of the Sunshine Coast. But um, they are putting it on at the events center there starting this Saturday. Um, and I believe it's only one show. The website that I've got has only one date announced. So I'm just going to go with that. If I'm wrong, well, lucky you, there's more. Yeah. Um, so that's on this Saturday. And then next Friday, the 20th of December, it's on at the Janusa in Noosa Heads as well. Uh, tickets are on sale for both, so don't miss out. Uh, it's it's interesting, the one in Noosa Heads, I should mention, is being put on by the Sunshine Coast Youth Theatre. So Ooh. it'd be good to see some uh, youngsters who are very immersed in the in the world of theatre put on a, an excellent show. Plus Christmas. Who doesn't love it? My yeah. mother. Wow. She hates Christmas. We went to a dark place there yeah, all of a did. sudden. From Elf the Musical Junior to My Mum Hates Christmas. Oh, she does. She'll rant about it too. It's a shocker. I mean, I hate Christmas in the sense that it's a massive disruption. I mean, but I guess. at the same time, it's a justifiable disruption. Yeah, and I mean, look, it gives us, it's like, you know, the. I look, I, I hate the commercialization of Christmas. But I love the idea of, uh, I don't know, the whole fest, the, the season of festivity I quite enjoy. I, I really enjoy it as well. It's, it's the lead up to it that I hate. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I hate the lead up to Christmas because you've got to do all the Christmas shopping, which puts you out of pocket. You've got, it's a massive disruption in terms of everybody taking holidays. You get disrupted in terms of being able to keep up with, if you're doing study over try three or if you're yeah. working and that sort of thing. It's just a these these bunch of public holidays kind of bunched together into a, a space of like a week makes it really a, a bit of a disruption to your life as a whole. And as someone who really thrives on structure and and momentum, I Amen. guess, it, um, it, it is a disruption. Hence why, good time to announce, we are going to have an episode of Anthology uh, volume six is going to be on Christmas Eve. Yes, um, I'll wear a Christmas hat. We will be pre-recording that, and uh, coincidentally, New Year's Eve is Volume Seven. Yeah, we are going to have episodes on both of those. We're going to have a Christmas special, and we're going to have a New Year's special. Oh God, that means I'm going to have to watch a Christmas movie. I I would appreciate it if you'd watch a Christmas movie. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to though, yeah. because um, look, I'll, I'll be going watch to the movies. I enjoyed Elf. I'll do Elf again. I'm going to be going to the movies, so I'm hoping maybe I might be able to catch the last of Last Christmas with Amelia Clark in it. Um, Good luck to you. I look, I'm you know I'm willing to review a bad movie as much as I'm willing to review a yeah, good one. Yes, but it's not just bad; it's vapid. 
Yeah, well, it'll go at the bottom of the list then. It'll be easy I just, competition. I feel sorry for Amelia Clark. She's a good actress, and half the film she's in it. Crap. Hmm. What are your thoughts on Solo? <laughs> He's giving me a look. <laughs> look, okay. I'll tell you this. I actually wrote a movie review on Solo way back when the university had a student magazine. All in all, in short, it sucked. Mm. And I ended the review with one of my favorite things I've ever written in terms of creative writing. I said, give it a, I essentially said, give it a, give it a watch if you must, but I don't think many people are going to have more than a solo viewing. Yeah, look, and I... Because, and again, Amelia Clark was great as Kira, or however you pronounce her name. A, um, oh, I've, forgotten how, I've forgotten the guy that plays Han Solo's name. I've forgotten how to pronounce it, but... Uh, Aldrich, uh, Aaron That's it. Here's my issue with him. There is no part of me, considering the short time frame between Solo and A New Hope, there is no part of me that was able to suspend my disbelief enough to be able to say, yep, I completely and totally believe that that guy turned into... Harrison Ford's hand solo in A New Hope. It was worlds apart. I saw that one coming with the trailers as well. Yeah. Because in the trailers, there were particular moments where I went, wow, he's got the mannerisms down, Pat. This is going to be great. He's, he's perfect. And there were moments in the trailers where I was like, but it's not Han Solo. And nothing, nothing about that film and nothing about the way it was portrayed made me believe or gave it the right to claim the familiarity of Han Solo and... Lando Carusian in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. They didn't do nearly enough to build up any sort of relationship there. Yeah, there's there's been a little bit of a... I mean, that's the one thing I'll say Rogue One did very well. That's the thing. I thought Solo, because I wasn't expecting much with Rogue One, and to this day I believe it's the best Star Wars film ever made. I was blown away by it. I thought Solo was going to do the same mm. thing. Empire Strikes Back, though. No, it's a close second for me. Rogue One tops it. It really does, and uh, that that, and I will say the only thing of Solo that I genuinely enjoyed, even though it made completely no sense, will likely never come up again, and was completely done in the name of fan service. Watching Darth Maul officially come back and you know be part of the Star Wars universe again, I was a hundred percent ready for that. I was so happy. I, I was ready for it, but at the same time, I hated it because of the fan service element. Because Darth Maul's return had been a. It had been a, a graphic novel storyline. It had been a fan fiction storyline for so thing. long. Once, and once Disney acquired Star Wars, the, one of the first things they did, they immediately declared the entire extended universe non-canon. Which, because they, which were, is they part knew that, of the reason they were going to build their own. So, and I agree. I thought it was like, oh come on, really? Which it will. It's part of the reason that I didn't like that is because I I found it a little bit too fan servicey. Yeah. Was it? Like, was it justified? Was it necessary, really? It just I mean, because in the extended universe, basically Chewbacca dies having just heroically saved his home planet. And then mm. in the first Disney thing that comes out, Star Wars related, no, he's fine, we'll kill off Han Solo. Which yeah. granted probably made Harrison Ford very happy. No, that's it. We won't need to watch a Christmas movie because the um, the Rise of Skywalker comes out on the nineteenth of December. So which we... will be two days after Volume Five. So yes, yes. we will be. Re- oh, Rise thank of heavens! Okay, I'm happy now. Yes, so that will probably be. We probably won't do a Christmas movie. We'll probably do Rise of Skywalker. I'm much. I'm look. Uh, the fact that Rian Johnson's not directing it has me optimistic. Remember how I said that Rogue One the was the best JJ, The fact that J.J. Abrams is, though. I'll say this. Um, the Last Jedi quickly... it. I can't believe I'm saying this. It went below Attack of the Clones. That, for me, is the worst Star Wars movie that has ever been made. 
it it very quickly descended for me. It was I was for I was disgusted. The first five or ten min- minutes of the movie, I was very immersed and very ready for it. And as as I watched, I was waiting for things to get better, and they never did. I'll say this: it is the only film I have ever considered and came very close to walking out of. Even on first viewing, I thought, I can't stand this. I was so, so pissed off with the way things had gone. I was like, nope, I'm out. There's only a couple of movies I've ever walked out of. One of them was, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it was this this film that came out uh, start of this year that had Michael Caine and... Um, Baby and Driver? Um, no, that wasn't Baby Driver. No, it had... Um, oh, the names are slipping me. It was a bunch of older British actors putting together a kind of heist movie where it was old people doing the heists and it, it was it didn't have um uh kevin spacey in it did it no not kevin spacey right okay um yeah I can't this this is long after kevin spacey disappeared for very good reasons I was gonna say, and justifiably uh, so yeah um you could say his house of cards came crumbling down yes that wasn't as good as my first two um i jeez <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. That's he's, not it. he's looking for it now. He's actually trying I'm, to look I'm for it. I'm trying to find. Sorry, God Coast, we've gone massively off topic we, again. We really have. Look, this maybe this is why I don't do Queensland because as soon as we get talking about Queensland, we just go off topic. I can't even find it. I'm scrolling through his filmography and it's nothing sticking out to me. Maybe he erased. Maybe it was that bad. He just erased it from his filmography. It was that bad that I walked out of it. I, I was with a friend and the friend walked out with me. Oh, really? Yeah. How far did you get into it? Oh, we, we did get a, a significant way into it, but it was, um, we were nowhere near the end of the movie either. We were, and it was just that dreadful. And again, was, probably people that are listening probably are screaming it at us. They probably know exactly what we're referring to. Uh, King of Thieves. That was it. King of Thieves, yes. Um, 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, God. And, um, yeah, justifiably so. It was... It was. Um, I'm normally the kind of person who can enjoy a movie that's slow. This was boring. Okay. It was very boring. Let's hope that his... Let's hope that he has a much better film in his uh, announced role in 2020. Oh, yeah. Well, I have decided... That's just to tease the massive Christopher Nolan fan that you are. I have decided that I am continuing Anthology until I graduate, so there will be an episode... Just so you can review Tenet. There will be an episode where I will be reviewing Christopher Nolan's Tenet, and you can guarantee it will take up more than the 20 minutes because I am going full fanboy. Oh, God, yeah. And understandably so. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I haven't. I can't think of a film of his I've watched that's been that I haven't enjoyed. Oh yeah, and granted, I haven't seen all of his work. I haven't seen his earlier stuff. Mm. But I mean, you look at the Dark Knight trilogy, you look at Inception, both or like those. I just thought were tremendous. Um, I haven't seen Dunkirk yet. I've got it on DVD. We're going home and watching it. Excuse as soon me, as I, I have get it back. on Blu-ray, so oh. I outrank you. Oh well, we'll watch it on that then. Exactly. I have a feeling it might be on Netflix. I don't know. Well, screw Netflix. I've got Blu-ray. Um. His earlier stuff is very good as well, Memento particularly, but also um, Insomnia is a personal favourite of mine. Um, it shouldn't be. It sucks. Insomnia. T- We're going to a song. <laughs> You're awful. Yeah. You're cool. awful. Uh, again, apologies to Queensland. We've really sort of screwed you over here. We've just... We mentioned some things. People in... If you're in Rockhampton, Sunshine Coast or Townsville, you know where you're going. Um, yeah. And if you're in Brisbane and Gold Coast, we've been talking about you for ages. And you're so. sorted. Like, real, uh, that sounds awful. But like, realistically, 
Okay, personally, Brisbane's not a city, a city I could live in for one main reason. I hate the heat and I hate humidity. So I'm just, especially like living, living no through Brisbane. summer, I'm gone. Like, no Brisbane, no Perth, but, no Darwin. No, who'd want to live in Perth? Um, I'm just <laughs> continuing the theme of shit-talking Perth and the rest of forget, Australia. Forget the centre, yeah. forget the west. The, only, the east coast is all that matters. No, look, but the, and look, the fact that I couldn't, that's nothing against Brisbane as a city apart from its climate. It's a wonderful mm. city. I love visiting it. I love holidaying in it. But... Living here, no, I couldn't. I can't. As a general rule for me, I refuse to live in somewhere where it takes longer than 20 minutes to get dry after a shower. Oh, jeez. That's my general rule. Humidity, so you're not gonna, awful. But you're not, by that same logic, you're not going to live in the UK either because as soon as you walk outside. Oh, hell, my plan is to go to Scandinavia. That's my immigration plan. That's fair. That's a good idea. I'm going to either Sweden, Norway, or Finland. I've narrowed yeah. it down to three. I've already decided I'm, I'm going to New Zealand. Okay, you're literally hopping a ditch. Yes. Okay. Well, At least good. I'm hopping the ditch to a country that I can move to without a visa and that has a better, more progressive government than us. But that's a t- different topic so entirely. So Scandinavia. It's a better, di- different topic I was entirely. Say, that's a that's a that's a lower house that's a, that's topic. That's, that's not. A, that's a different show. That's not that's, anthology. Let's not get into let's that. Let's go to the music before we get too political. This yes, agreed. One hundred six point nine Tune FM's anthology, and since we've got a Michael Jackson show coming up on the Gold Coast here soon, this is Billie Jean.
That was Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, and welcome back to Anthology Season 2, Volume 4. I'm here with Ben on the beach at the Gold Coast. It's wonderful here. And we're going to spend the last little segment talking about movies that you should be excited for in 2020. Some movies that you should be excited for. And some some that you should very much not be excited for. Some that you should, like, just be scared of or just just forebode a sense of foreboding instilled in you but it's a new decade and we're bringing in the new decade with a new bond film yes no time to die no time to die it's another daniel craig despite all the talk about um whether he's going to be replaced it is his last though it is his last um oh here's a controversial question who who replaces him not idris elba and that's nothing against Idris Elba. He's a terrific actor, but and I know it's not progressive to say so, but I really do not like... It's the same thing as the female doctor argument. That's like, Although this is worse than the female doctor because there is the argument of, well, you can regenerate and change sex. This, there's no justifying it. No justification whatsoever. I mean, there isn't really... Is, the, is there anything in the original novels that specifies that he's white, though? Okay, Maybe, maybe not. But let's say that there's not. The last 50-odd years of movie cinema has done a pretty good job of establishing a canon. The last 50-odd years of movie cinema has done a pretty good job of whitewashing everything as well, Excuse though. me. Okay. I'm trying to think of the best movie that I can come up with that sort of refutes that. Okay, I can do one for um, women in film, but I'm struggling a little bit with... They. It used to be law that women couldn't... Women and black people couldn't act in yes. the film. And thankfully, that was changed. Look, I'd, I don't know Let's enough. not pay reparations <laughs> in terms of a black bond. That's not how it works. I don't know if there's anything in the specific um, bond source material that specifies that he's not black, though. And in which case, I would say um, there's no reason that Idris Elba would be an excellent bond. I mean, I can imagine Idris Elba as a bond, and I would say he's... He's got, he's got the persona. He's got I will the say, if I could pick anyone in the entire world to be the next Bond, knowing how he's been portrayed in the past from Sean Connery to Pierce Brosnan to Daniel Craig, I actually wouldn't mind seeing Hugh Laurie have a shot at it. Hugh Laurie would be all right. While I do, I'm more supportive of the Idris Elba idea than you are, my choice is not actually that Idris Elba. Hard. <laughs> my, my choice is not actually Idris Elba. Who is it? I have uh, I have two. One of them is still controversial. Christ, um, okay. The, the one that's not controversial is Tom Hiddleston. He's actually I've seen his name thrown around actually as a potential like a potential front runner. I, I would like to see him do it. I I think he could do it. And the one that is slightly controversial, which is, it's only controversial because he's not English. Okay. Michael Fassbender. Ooh. I think he would play an excellent Bond. Yeah. And there has been non-English Bonds in the past. I was about to say, um, excuse me, okay, fine, there's nothing in the... Do you know how easy it is to fake an English accent? Oh, yeah, faking an English accent is easy. Just and ask James. Michael Fassbender's done it before. Yeah. But uh, just ask James. Wow, that's low. But, yeah, Michael Fassbender is, is up there for me. Um I'd like to see him do, I, particularly um, what I look at is his roles in, although I don't like the films, the later Alien films, where he played a, that gives you the British accent and quite a serious character as well. Yeah. And then also his his role as a younger Magneto in the X-Men films. Yeah, that's justifiable too. I really do think that he'd play an excellent Bond. Um, so moving away from the controversial topics then, 
At this um, point, Idris Elba's going to be the next Bond. He's going to be the next Doctor. He's going to be the next friggin' Santa. I don't, he seems to be thrown around in excuse everything. Excuse me. Santa is... Santa is... There's only one Santa. Um, Who? Billy Elliot. Oh, Billy Elliot. Um, Santa. Oh, I thought you were talking about... What was the name? Oh, Sugar. What's the name? He, Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3. What was the guy that Tim played... Tim Allen? That's him. Yeah, yeah, Tim Allen. Tim Allen is Santa. Revealed. Um, there's a couple of Marvel films coming out, including in May, Black Widow. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Although, didn't she die? Spoilers. No, uh, it's, if you haven't seen Endgame at this point, it's your fault. Exactly. Um, I believe, and this is not confirmed because I've only seen the trailers. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... It happens before... It takes place before. Okay, good. I was um, going to say, don't retcon that. It was a good scene. No, I believe it... By the looks, I have a suspicion that it's going to be... There were events that were mentioned um, in Avengers and in Avengers Age of Ultron, yeah. particularly about Black Widow's past, including um, where she met Hawkeye in Budapest and also her history with the Russian... So not quite an origin story, but sort of like a... Sort of a... Um, I'd like to see a story of how she came to S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. I, I, I like that idea. I, not quite an origin story, but like a... Oh, friggin' uh, hell, let's make Scarlett yeah. Johansson the next Bond. Why not? <laughs> I mean... Let's not. <laughs> that wasn't a suggestion. That was not a... That was not no, a legitimate... I, do, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't agree with a female Bond for the reason that you've stated. I don't agree with a female Bond because it is specified that he's male. And oh. I've been pretty adamant on the fact that I believe the way to bring females to the forefront of Hollywood is not to retcon male characters, it's to create new characters. Such as, oh, I was about to say Captain Marvel, that doesn't really apply. Um, such as, for instance, Ellen Ripley. Yes. To, to date, Creating she, strong I, female characters rather than retconning. Because, see, my, my argument is that the implication of just retconning male characters like they did with Ghostbusters, for example, yeah. is that um, the implication is that Hollywood doesn't actually know what a strong female is. Yeah. And so women need the template of what a strong male character looks like to have strong females and in I, the first place. I say place. this not just because I am a huge, huge fan of Sigourney Weaver and everything she does. I maintain that Ellen Ripley is one of the best characterizations of, of a strong female character in film. I'd agree with you. I think she was absolutely incredible. And oh, yeah, she's excellent. Ellen right? Ripley, the character, is tremendous. Sigourney Weaver's portrayal is just top-notch. And she today that stands out as probably one of my well one of my favorite movies movie franchises, let alone portrayals. I just think that, and that is a fantastic way of you, when you can literally write a character, make it a strong character, and make it a strong female character. That is miles, miles, miles better than just having an already established popular character and just and, flipping it and shoving a woman in there just to try and you know show that women can be strong. I just and I don't think that's it doesn't the way help. to go no, about it. Doesn't, it. It doesn't. It, if anything, it makes the problem worse. Well, it makes the problem worse because it, like I said, it's it's implying that we need the template of males to make females yeah, strong. Exactly. But then it also it, it's it's almost like erasing history a little bit. No, I see it's, where you're coming it's from. It's kind of the the whole. Well, we've just realised that for the past fifty years we've been a bit sexist. So let's go back and undo all of that rather than just letting that be in history and go. Okay, well let's look to the future. Um, it, it's it's a little bit scary that that's the way we think. But speaking of, use this as a segue, speaking of um, strong female characters, a movie coming out from DC next year is Birds of Prey. Now, Birds of Prey, um, if you don't know the comic series, they're a group of female 
I'm going to say villains that could be seen as anti-heroes includes Harley Quinn. I'm um, going to say, no, you can't say anti-heroes. You've got to say villains. Villains, yeah. Like Harley Good. Quinn, she's an abuse victim, sure, but she's she's a villain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, female villain. It's a group of female villains, um, the birds of prey. I'm really looking forward to that one. I like, believe James Gunn had a part in it. I know that he's um, working on directing the Suicide Squad sequel, but um, like, birds, of, birds of Prey, I believe he may have had a production or writing part in it. Like Margot Robbie as an actress is, wow, she's incredible. And her portrayal of Margot Robbie was one of the best portrayals of that character I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't like the, su- I don't like the way Suicide Squad... Suicide Squad? Suicide Suicide Squad, I don't like the way that film downplayed the abusive nature of the Joker and Harley Quinn's relationship Mm. because it very much, like legitimately, you could be forgiven for thinking that it wasn't an abusive relationship if you just watched Suicide Squad without having a knowledge of the source material. Yeah. Because there was hints of, okay, this relationship isn't healthy, but in the comics, it was downright horrifically abusive well it's and there wasn't that factor and fair enough i mean it's a bit harrow it's a bit you know you wouldn't it'd be a bit sort of i guess r-rated well yeah and just a bit out of place for in that sort of movie to then have i don't know joker come up and what did in the comics like smack with a baseball bat for instance yeah Yeah, it was essentially torture but um no suicide squad did a lot of things wrong particularly character wise but Margot Robbie and Will Smith were the best things about that film. And Will Smith isn't coming back, so with okay. Margot, Margot, Margot Robbie, you got your work cut out for you. Margot Robbie's the last little bit of hope we've Save got left in the film. DCEU. No, Actually, I'm, speaking of bits of hope we've got left in the DCEU, though. There's still some hope, okay. There is still a little bit of hope because w- the one film that was probably critically acclaimed has a sequel coming out next year. Yes. Wonder Woman 1984 oh, is God, coming out. Oh, God, Wonder Woman kicked the living crap out of Captain Marvel as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I wouldn't say kicked the living crap out of, but I would no. agree that it was much better. It, and um, the message behind it was done way more nuanced, subtly, and just overall better than Captain Marvel. I, well, look, the sequel's coming out. Marvel it's... over Disney any day of the week, but in this regard, I'm excited for Wonder Woman 1984. I am I'm excited really for that as well. Excited. From Disney... Um, I, Marvel's doing the Eternals as well. We don't know much about that yet. No. But I'll move on to Disney. They're doing an Artemis Fowl movie. Yeah. Uh, they're also doing a live action Mulan, which is oh, which Christ. has a bit of controversy behind it. Oh, um, I wonder why. Why don't you explain it all to the listeners? There's a bit of controversy because it's come to light that, uh, in particular, the character of Mushu is not in the movie. Oh. Um, there's there's a lot of debate about the way that it's going to be done, and um, generally people seem to be pretty pessimistic about the way it's going to go. I can't Particularly blame given Disney's track record of these live action remakes, and um, I hate it. I there is not, with the possible exception of um, uh, like Beauty the, and the Beast. Yeah, uh, no, the ones that came out in the fifties and sixties. There is mm. no animated Disney film that I think warrants a live action. We'll None see, of them need it. When the first one kind of came, came out, the first couple were like The Jungle Book and Cinderella, yeah. which both came out quite early, I believe. Cinderella's 50s, Jungle Book, I believe, is 60s. Yeah. So I could I could see that justified. It's, it's retelling a story for a new generation. But when you do The Lion King, which, first of all, is only 25 years old, but then secondly, it's it's not even really live action because there's no, no human characters. It's just a different style of animation. Exactly. Live action. Oh, it was crap. It, I, 
the the idea was crap <coughs> from the get-go, let alone the fact that it never even stood a chance of being anywhere near up to the, the Lion King standards. The only live-action, the only two films I'd love to see a live-action film on, and I say this realising neither of them are justified, Atlantis, because you could really do some wonderful things with the world of Atlantis and the characters if you did the CGI and the visuals well, and Tarzan for the for a similar reason. Like, if you watch the, if any, if you've watched the animated film Tarzan, the nineteen ninety nine Disney film, you'll know that what he do, what they do in regards to him swinging through the vines and just sort of navigating the forest was wonderful. And it, you could really take that to some really good spots with well done CGI and anime and visual effects. There's only one that I would say I would go and watch What's if that? they did it, Pinocchio. It's yeah, old enough, and yeah. I think that there could be some interesting things done filmically with Pinocchio. The rest, I think, are either too new or just can't justify, for example, with animal-based yeah. characters, you can't justify it because it's not really a live-action remake. There is very, very few films that I support. There are very few remakes I've supported because, as a general rule, I don't think they're warranted. The one that I did think was done exceptionally well was It!, and that's because they it took the source material and essentially the original it the miniseries even though it was meant to be a scary film it had much more comedy than horror mm. and this adaptation of it leaned more towards the horror side with a bit of comedy thrown in the only film to date that i think a remake is warranted and could be something i would willingly go and see would be the wizard of oz I, and I'd that's like to see no Oz. disrespect to the Wizard, the Wizard of Oz, the 1939 film, 39, 35, 30, one of the two. 30s. 30s. Was, oh, it was a, one of the best works of cinematic art, I think, that mm. exists. Yes. It is brilliant. And I think that if you took that film and just that film and remade it with the same concepts, the same characters, the same ideas, and just brought it to a modern day audience, it could be spectacular. Everyone seems very keen to spin off of The Wizard of exactly. Oz. Exactly. Why? There was that one with James Franco in it, which was just weird. And uh, I mean, give us the original, but I'm not going to disparage it because it's brilliant. But Wicked is the same kind of thing. It's yeah. it's just a spin off. I, I mean, I feel The Wizard of Oz. While I don't always approve of remakes, I think it's been it's been like 80 years at this point. And the thing is, it's not just because old films. Because an old film, like look at well, just because the film's old doesn't mean a remake's going to be good. Shining case in point: Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, Jesus Christ. But you look at what The Wizard of Oz, what you could do in regards to the worlds, the environments, the visuals, you could make it stunning. And mm. granted, whoever you cast as Dorothy is going to have some enormous ruby slippers to fill. Oh, yes. Enormous pressure on that role. Just oh, Renee Zellweger. There you go. Just cast her. Just cast her as Dorothy. I, um, I'm going to mention one more film. Sure. Um, just quickly, well, with some honourable mentions as well. There's a Top Gun movie coming out, Top Gun what? Maverick. Okay. Um, I, I believe Tom Cruise is coming back for that. Um, cool. Should be interesting. Why not? I don't have very high expectations. Fast and Furious 9, ew. Um, the faster and the furiouser. <laughs> Pixar is doing Onward, which I've seen a trailer for, and it's very exciting. It's got Chris Pratt and Tom Holland in it. Yes. Oh, um, one of those is good. One of those is good. Which I'm one's not, not a fan good? Of Chris Pratt. Really? I'm not a fan of. Oh, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of his uh, character as a person. But that's a different story entirely. I think he's an excellent actor. Well, you think he's a douche? Yeah. Oh, okay. he's a bit of a douche. Okay, but fair enough. But I'm. I'm a fan of him as an actor. He's a very I'm, good comedian. Yeah, actor. I'm just not. I'm not a fan of his acting style Why personally. Not? Why not? I, I can't really put my finger on it. Something. It's just. Uh, it's something about him. I'm just thinking. Okay. So not. what? What film specifically? 
Um, I really hated his character in the Avengers franchise. Okay, yeah, I can see why people hate Star Lord, but have you but seen even, a Lego movie? Yeah, I have. It's I just, didn't like the Lego lovab- movie either. He's just lovable in a, in a voice acting style. Yeah, he's he's like I didn't like I didn't rate him in Jurassic World either. Jura- I didn't rate Jurassic World well, in general, fair, so fair. it's a different kind of story. But I will say though, I love Tom Holland, so there's that. Mm. He looked like it looked like um, Chris Pratt was, is going to be very good in this as well. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, the, it seemed to have a good dynamic between the two. But the one I will mention, of course, and we did mention it before, Christopher Nolan's oh, Tenet. Oh, I can't wait! It's I can't. What's wait. excellent about it as well, and I will I will rave about this in more detail when we actually review it. But Christopher Nolan is brilliant because his um, he's always done what he wants to do. And I guess he, that's a privilege that he kind of has because he made a name for himself very quickly with Memento, which was only his second project. Um, but he's always done what he wants to do. He's never taken a film purely because it's a big studio offering him it or it's going to make him money. Um, even the Batman franchise was his own spin on the Batman comics, which he loved as a kid. So he wanted to do that. He wanted to bring his own spin to that franchise. And Tenet is not going to have any details released about it up until the release of the movie. Which is tremendous. It's fantastic. And you you just always know with Christopher Nolan that it's going to be a love project for that reason, that he only does what he wants to do. Um, it's, it's going to be a labor of love. It's going to be an excellent film. It's got a cast has been uh, announced, including John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, who I'm willing to give a chance because it's a Nolan film. I think he's going to be a great Batman. I He could be a great Batman, yeah. But everyone I, thought Heath Ledger was going to suck, and look what happened there. I mean, we said well, the same died, thing. But we let's said, hope that doesn't happen to Robert Pattinson. We said the same thing when they announced Jared Leto as well. When they announced okay, Jared yeah, Leto as the yeah. Joker, everyone was like, but Heath Ledger was going to be so bad. Yeah, sometimes they just are going to be bad. That's fair. And but, Jared um, Leto was not good. <laughs> Aaron Taylor-Johnson's also in it, and Kenneth Branagh, and of course Michael Caine. So uh, that'll be very interesting to see. I like Kenneth Branagh. There's one point that has disappointed me a little bit, but I'm still willing to give it a go. What's that? Hans Zimmer's not doing the score. Oh, bollocks. It's Ludwig Göransson, who I don't know as much about, but... I thought he and... Uh, okay, that's a shame. I mean, Zimmer and Nolan work together a lot, but I guess sometimes they just don't. Schedules don't match up. I Schedules guess. don't match up. Thing, Zimmer might be doing something else. I really can't understand how much of a how much I appreciate the film not announcing anything about it. Yeah, everyone's going in cold. We don't know. We know it's an action thriller. That's about the extent of it. There's no uh, nothing's been released from production. There's no plot. There's not even the poster. If you have a look at it, they've released uh, a kind of theoretical poster, which is literally just a white page with Tenet written on it. And I, if, if this film actually sticks to its guns and doesn't release a trailer, I will sing its praises until the end of time. I imagine they might release a trailer to kind of I, get people keen. I loathe and, trailers. I, I loathe it might them. come, I imagine knowing Nolan, it'll come late. It'll come like so. just to get people through the cinema, through, through the box office. Yeah. Be, it, that'll be it. But he's, he's actually come, publicly come out and said there is nothing coming out about this film until it comes out because this, it's a labor of love for him and he really wants to... It says it says a lot about the a director's skill where a film can be announced and you know and people can be buzzing about it not knowing who the cast is necessarily but just because it's a Christopher Nolan film. Oh, it's I couldn't think of many directors that could pull that off. Well, with the possible I, exception I of maybe Guillermo del Toro or um, oh, Quentin Tarantino. Ah, uh, yeah, Martin him. Scorsese. Yeah, 
Everyone buzzed about the Irishman. There's a few, but Nolan. Who directed? Um, who directed? Um, uh, shit, Roma. Roma. Uh, um, was that Scorsese? No, it wasn't Scorsese. That was a uh, Spanish name. Spanish name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, goodness me, I look like a terrible film fan. Oh, it's, I think it starts with M. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron. That's the one. He as well. He's the other director that I think M. Where did I get M from? I think um, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu is becoming that. He did yeah. um, Birdman and The Revenant. Uh, the Revenant. Yes. Um, so he's becoming that. But um, Nolan, for me, he's got a style, and I love his style. He puts so much, pays so much attention to what he does on the screen. Yeah. Um, he's neural and brilliant and it's I, I love it and I'm so looking forward to Tenet um, so am I. I can't wait. the one downside to being a Nolan fan is that because Nolan puts so much love and effort into all his films his release schedule is a bit like John Tron's YouTube release schedule <laughs> it's nice very segue. sporadic it's like George Martin's book release schedule oh yeah it, it just he will not release something until he's happy with it which and is it's, good it, it's which it's very so good. good like i will say this you take him like a director's name like him whose movies are you know you're excited because of the director take that with someone like michael bay or uve ball and you're like okay this movie's going to suck oh yeah you just know it's going to suck because he's got it's got his name on it but it's it's the other way with nolan and the fact that i mean this will be his his first movie after dunkirk yeah. dunkirk's 2017 release this is coming out in July 2020. Yep. It's three years. He just went away and and did this, and I'm so keen. Has I'm, he written the movie, or is it? I will just double-check. I know that he pretty much has um, the creative control over it. Oh, that's good. Um, which he usually does. Yes, he wrote it. Cool. Um, he normally at least has a part in writing. I'm hoping then it wins Best Screenplay so he can finally get an Oscar for something. Just give him Best Director because he's deserved it so many times. I, I was disgusted. I know, I know, I know that there was a lot of competition, but I was very disappointed when he didn't win for Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk deserved more even than it Inception. got. Even Inception. Inception deserved way more than it Funny, got. Funny, he wasn't even nominated for Best Director for Inception. That's so sad. Dead set. Because Inception was nominated for Best Picture. It was. Um... As was Dunkirk, I believe, and no, Interstellar wasn't. No, Interstellar wasn't. But no, you're right. Um, but Interstellar is up there in that tier for me. Interstellar is excellent. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Anyway, we've been talking for quite a while. Yeah, um, we, sort of got, we sort of got carried away there. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. That is the end of Anthology Season 2, Volume 4. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with more Anthology, of course. I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll enjoy the rest of our week here on the Gold Coast. I have been Jake. That has been Ben. Yes, indeed it has. Thank you for having me. And we'll go out with a bang as usual. Stay tuned to 106.9 Tune FM.